There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Wilander. This is Mary Carrillo. This is Pam Shriver. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. This is Yannick Noah, and you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Well, for the first time in just over a week, Catherine Whitaker and myself find ourselves on the same podcast. Hello, Catherine. Hello, David. A, I haven't seen you in ages. <laughs> how, how are you? Uh, I'm all right, thanks. How are you? Yeah, yeah. We, was... We've both been on on journeys since we... we were last podcasting together. We have, yes. It was exactly a week ago when Leila Fernandez, Carlos Alcaraz and the tennis world was providing the most thrilling night of everybody's lives and i was unable to enjoy it at all um but, and uh, therefore you you took over the two of you thank goodness uh for three days uh four days actually i think uh, and i've done the last three so <laughs> here we are uh together again and it's it's lovely to see you and it's lovely to see billy jean it's lovely to see your new sofa catherine mm. very nice I, I wish i was there um and uh yeah it is, it is- the, the, it, the space for you. There is room for a full-size David Law. Mm. You're joking. No, seriously. It was, it was bought with podcasting in mind. Oh. I think there's room for the three of us plus puppy. Oh, this is magnificent. Mm. Anyway, if only I wasn't stuck in Salford then. <laughs> uh, not to worry. Um, it's all been in a good cause because we've, we have had, aside from being unwell myself and, uh, and, and all the rest of it, we have had the most wonderful two weeks of tennis this grand slam the u.s open has just surpassed all of our expectations that there's no doubt about that and we've maybe even still got the best yet to come we will we'll look forward to all that we have over the final weekend the uh the first men's semi-final has been played the second one as we talk to you is currently underway first of all i want, I want to get Catherine's view on what went on yesterday because Catherine, we were unable to have you on the show last night, and yet you lived the vast majority of it before the time just became too too late. I mean, things went on so late. Um, what? How did you feel while while it was all going on? Emma Raducanu's win and and Leila Fernandez's win. I did watch all of it, as as Matt can attest. I attempted to go to bed, I think, three times during the the, the second and final set of Emma Raducanu before admitting to myself each time that it was a it was a pointless venture <laughs> um 
just kept on reappearing in the doorway. Like, oh, if, she, if she's going to break here, I might as well just stick. Anyway, ended up. <laughs> what on earth was I thinking? Thinking I could go to bed. Um, and I still, I, I've, I've, throughout today, I've had persistent moments of having to remind myself that it really is real. And that really did happen. Um I I fear that I have gone too big too soon with the hyperbole. <laughs> I'm concerned about what I might have left in the tank for tomorrow because we're all in that boat. Just because just her reaching the quarter final was the most ludicrous, amazing, uplifting, wonderful, crazy thing that's ever happened and she's gone beaten two incredible players since then and reached a slam final and it's this is not this is not british bias she is the only qualifier in the history of tennis men's or women's to reach a grand slam final um okay i might have an added layer of personal excitement that that tomorrow's final will will probably be the biggest moment of my career presenting that. Of course, that that adds an extra layer. But in terms of a tennis story, I think I'd feel the same about it, whether she were British or not. It just it's just scarcely credible that she actually is British. Um, and she, given given what she achieved yesterday again, and how and how unthinkable. It really is what she achieved. Again, I had that feeling of calmness watching her, this absence of anxiety. I'm not saying I wasn't ever at any point tense on her behalf yesterday, but not nearly as tense as I ought to be, really. There is, and I don't want to go over ground that you both covered yesterday, but there is such safety on her shots. She's going for it all the time. She has power and precision and placement, but she's so rarely painting the lines. Occasionally, occasionally she will, but it's just margin on everything. And I don't quite know how she does that. Um, especially, I, I thought I thought she might not be able to get away with that against a player like Zachary that can chase everything down that can make it physical, physical, that can get to balls that others can't. I thought she might have to go closer to the lines against Zachary, but her anticipation and shot selection is so good. It buys her time, seemingly, and it it buys her that margin. Um, and I just, yeah, I don't, I don't want to fall into the hyperbole vortex again because I've got to hold something back for tomorrow. But goodness me, it's hard because it's... It's it, it's not like anything I've ever seen before. This story, mm. not even close, really. And I'll bring Matt in in a minute. I, ju- I just to put some perspective to that and to why you're talking in those terms of what tomorrow means for well, not only for those players, but for the sport as a whole and in Britain. And I mean, the coverage here is just incredible in Britain right now. I I realize we've got a lot of listeners in America and I'm quite interested. I wonder how America, American tennis fans are receiving this news. And obviously there's a Canadian player who's, who's a massive breakout star at the same time as part of this whole story. But Catherine, you've spent the day presenting the men's semifinals for Prime Video, which is the rights holder 
for TV coverage, live TV coverage of the US Open here in the UK. And really, whilst, yes, there was build-up and there was coverage of those men's semi-finals today, it is all about tomorrow, really, isn't it? Let's be oh, honest. Yeah. Tomorrow is the biggest day in the years that Prime have had the rights to tennis. I know it's only three or four years, but I would say... I mean, this is up there with Andy Murray's US Open final, if you want to compare it to Sky all those years ago. In some ways, it's bigger just because it's so so out of the blue. Um, and I know that Catherine will be coming on air to present Prime Video's coverage from 8 o'clock. The match doesn't even start till 9. So there's a full hour of build-up. Actually, actually it's, a, it's going to be a bit after 9 because there is a commemorative ceremony for the 20th anniversary, anniversary of 9-11. Right. Um, which we'll obviously be be showing, but but yeah, it's, I mean it's it's a it's a full on full on build up um, as you'd expect, but yeah, it's it's pull every possible stop out for tomorrow. It's yeah, I, look, I I wasn't in this position job wise when Andy Murray won his first Grand Slam title at the same Slam in 2012. Um, so I, ca- I I can't speak for the whether the the magnitude is more or less or the same, but the nature of the story is different. There there isn't there wasn't the fairy tale element to Andy Murray. It, 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 for Andy Murray, it was it was the end of a long grinding journey, wasn't it? You know, he he had employed Ivan Lendl to just help heave himself over that over that line. The story could not be more difficult, and I think it's it's captivated a different audience. Of course, the, the the tennis diehards are into it, like they were into the Andy Murray story. And but I do think this has captivated people in a in a different way. And maybe it's a post pandemic thing. Something about the the purity of Emma Raducanu, how untainted she is, how joyful she is about everything she does I think that's very it's very now isn't it it's very what we all very much what we all want this feeling of freshness and new beginnings and new normal (laughs) um but it yeah so I look I can't obviously to me it feels bigger because of what I'm what I'm doing um but it's definitely definitely different Mm. yeah it, it sure is. We will also have on BBC Radio, we'll be covering it also with an hour-long build-up, which, I mean, that doesn't really happen. That's not happening for the men's final, for instance. On on Sunday evening, we'll come on air at 9pm and crack on with the tennis, pretty much. But on Saturday evening, when Emirata kind of plays this match, it's 8 o'clock on air and, yeah, as you say, after 9 o'clock um, start time because of that... Uh, uh, those commemorations that will be uh, had um, inside the Arthur Stadium for 9-11, which is 20 years ago uh, tomorrow, as we speak to you right now. Um, Matt, the one of the things that, that I wanted to do as well during this podcast is our show yesterday was an immediate visceral reaction to what we'd witnessed. It was feelings, it was impressions, it was immediate analysis. But what we didn't have chance to do was to process and digest what was said afterwards in the more considered interviews that players do in the interview room and and we've had a look today at 
the press conference transcripts. And I think I'm right in saying they were pretty interesting, particularly on Leila Fernandez's side. Yeah, definitely. Uh, she told the most wonderful story, really, about sort of where she's got her toughness from. You know, that, that has been such a defining feature of her tournament, hasn't it? The way she's been so strong mentally in, in the deciding sets against some of the very best players in the world. And a journalist sort of wanted to link that, I suppose, to her life story and whether there was anything about the life she's led that perhaps plays into that on the tennis court. And Leila Fernandez said, I think the obvious one is that a lot of people doubted me, my family and my dreams. They kept saying no that I'm not going to be a professional tennis player, that I should stop and just pursue going to school. And uh, she called out a teacher that she had. She said, I remember one teacher, which was actually very funny. At the time it wasn't, but now I'm laughing. She told me to stop playing tennis. You will never make it. Just focus on school. And Fernanda said, you know what? I'm glad she told me that because every day I have that phrase in my head saying that I'm going to keep going, I'm going to push through. But that's basically just the tip of the iceberg. There's many more things that we had to go through as a family. Another example is that my mum had to go to California for a few years to support my family and I in the tennis world. Those few years were hard for me because I needed a mum. I needed someone to be there for me through the age of 10 to 13. I barely saw her at that time. Every time I saw her, it was like seeing a stranger, but at the same time, someone familiar. I was lucky to have my mum here at this tournament cheering for me, having fun with me all this time. But we've gone through so many things together as a family. I'm just glad that right now everything's going on our side. And, you know, I just thought that was an incredible wow. answer from her. Um, and important that people know that and that people, you know, are able to connect with her because... Yeah, look, she's been around on the tour for a while and she's really captured the imagination of everyone watching this US Open. But she's not a big, well-known figure in sport. I wouldn't even say she's a well-known figure in tennis, really. And uh, I mean, she is now, of course. But, you know, there's just so much to learn and, and admire about Leila Fernandez. Um, she described her run as, as magical, was the word she used, Um and then there were some nice little bits from Memo Raducanu as well, just, just some perspective on how big this is. She was asked to name her biggest achievement in tennis up until now. And she said it was winning a 25,000 ITF event in Pune, is it? Yeah. I think it is Pune, yes. Yeah. I mean, I think Marin Cilic has won there. Yes. He did win that day. <laughs> Um, and then Raducanu also said, you know, she spoke about her idols and she said that Lina was was a big inspiration for her. Um, she described her as a fierce competitor, someone with a lot of belief, with weapons, with incredible movement and inner strength. And she cited watching the French Open final that she played against Schiavone. And that, that's a match which sticks in her mind. So, yeah, just just some interesting answers in those in those press conferences, which... Which were a delight, really. I mean, they are, they are good people. Oh, it does whet the appetite, doesn't it, to to think um, that this is what's what's coming up on Saturday. In, incidentally, there was also a a, 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 a slightly salty uh, line from Maria Sakkari in her her press conference, which I I completely understand and forgive her for. I mean, she was. 
she was crestfallen and heartbroken and and I, I feel so much for Maria Zachary um after yesterday but she she you know she said look I yeah and was great and everything and paid her paid paid her a lot of credit but said look I I didn't work, play well today you could see it with Benchich Benchich didn't well play well today she sort of basically said look she's really good but none of her opponents have played well um but that's no accident is it that's just yeah, Emma Raducanu plays an enormous part in that, I think. And um, mm. yeah, tennis just doesn't work like that, that, that a person's play exists and happens in a vacuum. Mm. Um, and I just, yeah, I, do, I, I don't want to criticise Zachary too much for having said that. Um, I wouldn't expect it to be uh, entirely balanced Um and rational in that moment but I uh, yeah I I just I don't think that's fair at all really no but I do think that element is what makes what well, one of the reasons why the final is so fascinating mm. just given what they've both done it's it's kind of impossible to predict one of them to lose they're both on this run and sort of the fact that for one of them it has to end in defeat just sort of doesn't mm. seem possible at this at this point. It, the, it feels like it's either Raducanu sort of two and one, or Fernandez seven six in the third. Yeah, well that's it. The fact they've had such different runs. Yeah, Leila Fernandez has lost eighty games in this tournament, <laughs> and Emma Raducanu has lost twenty seven in the main draw. So something sort of has to give because you've got Fernandez on the one hand this incredible path, winning loads of third sets against some of the very best players in the world, showing this incredible ability to perform in the pressure moments. But the question is, will she be able to get it into that situation against Raducanu, who has just crushed everyone? And it's it's very difficult to imagine Raducanu crushing Fernandez because of what we've seen from Fernandez and her grit and her fight and her spirit in matches. So I I really have no idea which way this final is going to go. But I I suppose you're probably right. It probably will follow one of the scripts, either a sort of convincing win for Raducanu or a really, really mm. gutsy win for Fernandez. I mean, of course, there are other options, but those are the two we've sort of that feel the most likely based on what we've seen in this tournament. And I keep thinking, well, um, Raducanu hasn't faced a lefty yet, but then she'd never played a night session before <laughs> before last night. And that seemed fine for her. She'd never played on Arthur Ashe before the previous round. And that seemed fine for her. Um, and also her coach is a lefty. She She's actually been hitting with a lefty all, all, you know, all tournament. Well, three weeks now, including qualifying. So... That's a good point. I'd forgotten that, and he he was a good left-hander yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, and actually, she that was one of the questions I remember asking. Um, I think it was before the Shelby Rogers match. Uh, one of our one of our pundits, I said, it, it, I think it was Tim Hemmen. He was out on the practice courts live for a practice, and I said, "Oh, she's she's hitting with Andrew Richardson, her coach, but he's a lefty. Is that okay for her to be hitting with a lefty before a match with a righty?" And Tim said, "Yeah, don't don't worry, it's fine." Um, but yeah, she's she's been hitting with with a lefty all week, despite playing righty. So can I say as well, he he has a lovely single handed backhand. 
Andrew Richardson. I forget that you were the Andrew Richardson expert, David. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I feel like we need to screenshot David's face right now. The mention of Andrew Richardson has lit him up like a Christmas tree. <laughs> Crystal Palace in 1996 against Byron Black. And he beat him in five sets, and it was brilliant. I feel like Byron Black comes up disproportionately often <laughs> on this podcast. That's because he beat Roger Federer on Grass 636 Love. Yes. Mm. At Queens. Yeah, we also need to screenshot the WhatsApp messages David sent off the cuff. The most detailed sort of bio of Andrew Richardson. Oh, it was almost it was almost weird and nobody had asked for it. <laughs> <laughs> I've never even met the bloke. I actually Un- maybe I unsolicited sort of encyclopedic deep dive on Andrew Richardson's yeah. career. I hadn't heard of him. Do you know, I've not heard of him for 20 years. And then, <laughs> and then, uh, and then suddenly he's now, coaching Emma Adekar. Now he's the new Uncle Tony. <laughs> <laughs> he's just this guru. Uh, uh, anyway, um, so, by the way, I was just looking up the... Because the, obviously they, they've never played each other, these two on the main tour, but they did play oh. each other at juniors in Wimbledon. Yeah. I tell you what, there is, a, there is a, an army of people backstage at Amazon trying to find archive footage of their round two juniors meeting at Wimbledon in 2018 I don't we we genuinely don't know if it exists I don't know if they keep archive of second round juniors but we're trying we're trying to find that footage 6264 it was to Emma Raducanu now I'm not going to ask you for your predictions here on the podcast because I'm going to give one more big tease for the newsletter in which we are going to have exclusively our predictions for the women's final and that newsletter will be going out tomorrow morning I, UK What did time. I predict today? You predicted the one I've, result which has come off today. I've had three in a row. Yes, Three that, in a that, row where you have to predict the score. Dan and am I, st- in am I sets, still not you? top? You are still behind Chris Albert Lee. But you're closing the gap, Catherine. You are second. Yeah. You're I ahead of me now. I cannot do any more. <laughs> well, that's because Chris Albert Lee I'm, is I'm Federer in the Wimbledon 2019 Wimbledon final. Two match points and then Chris Albert Lee comes up with... Well, a- actually, no, because Federer really fluffed it, didn't he? I haven't fluffed anything. Yeah, but Djokovic came up with a great pass, just as Chris Albert Lee came up with one sort of 85-point special the mm. other day, I think, that has just turned it all. Um, anyway, we'll find out. But, yeah, get yourself on our newsletter, distribution list, sc- scroll. Um, I mean, the other reason I'm not giving predictions is because I haven't thought about who's going to win yet. Uh, but, anyway, um, scroll down on your show notes to this podcast on your phone, get yourself on our newsletter, and you'll see who Catherine, Matt, and myself and all the others who are taking us on in this predictions competition this fortnight. That's Daryl. That's Chris Albert Lee. That is Guillermo, uh, who we've all gone for. I'm trying to think of 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 my competitors being just you and Matt. I'm trying to focus on just beating just beating you, really, David. I mean, that's what you've. I'm been... considering Chris Albert Lee just in a different realm. Yeah, yeah he might be a god. I mean, mm. You've you've been perfectly satisfied with life if you've beaten me over the last ten years, really. Mm-hmm. Haven't you? It doesn't really yeah. matter what else happens. No. Um, so, um, what can I say? Same for me. <laughs> so. Yeah, that's the final tomorrow, and uh, well, can't wait. Hope it lives up to expectations. But frankly, 
no matter what, it's going to be a great story, isn't it? Because there's going to be a champion that we all care about one way or the other and it and the whole tournament has just been a revelation and uh, just an uplifting shot of energy for everybody that works in this sport um the same can't be said for the first men's semi-final today i don't think and look daniel medvedev won it in straight sets there was a point at which Felix Auger Aliassime led second set 5-2 and had set points. And had he taken them? Well, it would have at least been interesting to find out what would have happened next. He didn't take them. And really, the, the match wasn't particularly fun. It wasn't particularly competitive. It was a... I described it on Five Live as a bit... Meh. Yeah. Uh, Han, Han, I'm proud of you, David. I feel like you didn't know what meh meant. Not that I know. Long ago. I was proud of myself too. And Laura Robson actually gave me a sort of, oh, blimey, who's taught you how to say that? <laughs> look. Ha- Hannah said on our Twitter, look, they can't all be classics or particularly interesting or fun. Sometimes everybody is just exactly who you thought they were before the match and they do their thing and it all unfolds fairly predictably. And I've nothing to add to that. That's It's the perfect summary of that match. Yeah. And it's fine. Yeah, fine. Like, it happens. We've got so used to every match being brilliant in this tournament. It's fine. Um, Medvedev is playing extremely well. We knew that. I, I suppose there was a little intrigued to see whether he would pick up his performance from the quarterfinal and I think he did I think he played better there was a very brief moment where it looked like bad Medvedev might be about to appear he was just teasing us and it was annoying <laughs> yeah there was a, there was a dark mm. look came over him for a couple of games in, yeah. in his eyes I, te- I texted you all about it within within split seconds <laughs> with lots and... of emojis of excitement <laughs> yeah um actually I, I have I have something interesting report to report from this match, if you'd like. Sure. Mm. Uh, I asked mid-match whether Felix auger is on the boat. I said, Dad, Felix auger to boat or not to boat? He simply replied, not. With a full stop at the end. I had to... I had to I had to prod for explanation. He said, I find it hard to connect with him. I've nothing against him. <laughs> okay. Uh, and that's that's all we got. So next time Felix Auger-Aliassim does a thing, I will I will seek further uh, further news on his boatworthiness. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I did, to be fair, at the time that I asked that question, he was um, he was sort of folding folding in the third set. I don't want to be too harsh on him. It was his first Grand Slam semi final. I've accepted with Felix or team it might be more incremental progress than sort of enormous Carlos Alcaraz style breakthrough. And this year has been a year of great incremental progress. First quarterfinal at Wimbledon, first semifinal here. So it's it's all basically good, but sort of in 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 the micro sense, I was disappointed with him in in that third set. It was a, it was a slightly feeble collapse from him and it was at that point that I asked the boatworthiness question so 
I'll ask again in fairer weather. <laughs> I think that acceptance that for Felix it is going to be incremental has been quite a difficult place to arrive at, perhaps, mm. because he first burst onto the scene and we first knew his name because he was such an exceptional talent and he was ahead of the curve. He was sort of the top of his age group. He was just sort of doing things that people around him weren't doing. And I think he was set up in that respect for a massive, massive sort of splash moment on the ATP tour or at a slam where he just announced himself as the next guy. Kind of a bit like what we've had this week with Carlos Alcaraz. And yet that hasn't really happened for him. Obviously, he's done great things and he's reached eight finals and all of that. And he is still ahead of his age group pretty much. But he still hasn't really had a massive, massive win. I know he beats Zverev at Wimbledon, which was probably the best of his career, I would say. Certainly at a slam. Um, but he hasn't really had that moment and it has been incremental. But this has been a really positive summer for him overall, you know, reaching the Wimbledon quarterfinals, reaching his first Grand Slam semifinal here at the, at the US Open, the first Canadian man ever to do that, I believe. You know, these are really big things and big deals. So the progress is definitely there. Um, it just maybe hasn't quite happened in the way that it, felt like it would right at the start of his career I suppose and yet I've still watched that performance today and some of the Achilles heel moments that I associate with Felix Auger-Aliassim have come to the fore and uh, we were discussing in our commentary how with Laura Robson how he looks sort of technically perfect in so many ways and yet he can line up these shots and look completely balanced and then the ball just diverts off at an angle and, and goes 15 feet out. And it happens a lot. A lot more than I think it should anyway for somebody who looks so technically balanced and such a great athlete. And so add that to the the 16 sets played, 16 sets lost in finals and various other elements like that. And I know I probably sound really hard on him, um, but... I think yeah, it's, I think there's I I think that there is room to be optimistic based on the fact that this was his first Grand Slam semi final. That's good news. He beat players to get there. He's incrementally improved. Yet th- that capitulation today sh- from five two up in the second set should not have happened. Daniel Medvedev mm. was not playing well at that point. He played well overall, but he was in a a bad place for a few minutes. Was Medvedev, and he should have been put away, and he wasn't. Yeah, and I think it comes out the most that what you're describing in pressure moments. And I think that's why he hasn't performed in finals. I think we saw it when he had the chance to take it into a third set today. That was when his game sort of collapsed on him. And of course, it's all very well talking about incremental progress. And I I stand by that. He is making it. But you don't want baggage, do you, to to start accumulating. Mm. There's a very fine balance, I think, between making steady progress year on year but also yeah not accumulating baggage and I don't think he is yet I, I really don't I think generally things are positive for Auger seem, but it's certainly something to look out for 
Yeah, Jim Curious said he was courtside for that match and went down to him for his thoughts afterwards. And we mostly focused on on Medvedev. But I did say, you know, what's your take on on Felix Auger-Aliassime for this match? And he said, look, you know, generally really positive. And and he sort of unsolicited offered the prediction that he thinks he'll be world number one at some stage in his career. And he said it with real conviction. Now, I'm not saying at all that he won't be. But if you ask me whether he would be, I certainly wouldn't say yes with the same conviction I would have done a couple of years ago. I really don't know. He very well might be. But I I, I feel like, you know, a year or two years ago, everybody would have said it in a heartbeat. And I, I don't quite feel that way anymore. I think there are questions for him to answer, for sure. And he and he can still have a brilliant career without getting to number one. Yes. You know, like I think he's also been a little bit, I talked about all those early results and early success he had. That's obviously great, but it does build you up to be something that maybe you can't achieve. And I think the thing is he will get everything out of himself. I, I have true belief in his professionalism and his approach to the sport. So yes. whatever he ends up reaching, I, I do believe that will be his ceiling. Mm. Yes, agreed. Okay, well, we are currently talking to you whilst the match between Novak Djokovic and Alexander Zverev is going on, and Zverev has just won the opening set by six games to four. Djokovic um, has got him right where he wants him. Yes, yeah, so it's the fourth match in a row that uh, Djokovic has lost the first set. Um, Catherine, we are going to send to bed because she needs to get up and have plenty of sleep ahead of a big day tomorrow. Matt and I are going to be talking to you in just a few moments' time uh, while you're listening to this um, because we are going to watch the rest of this match and then come back and report on it. Obviously, we've got tomorrow's show in which we can do some preview for the men's singles final, so we don't need to talk too much about Daniel Medvedev. I mean, he was good enough today. He got the job done, but his big moment comes in the final, third final for him, still yet to win a Grand Slam title. But, yeah, we'll be talking about Djokovic Zverev um, once it's over because um, it warrants it. So, speak to you in a minute. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. 
Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering Tennis Podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. Well, as Catherine was saying, Novak Djokovic had Alexander Zverev right where he wanted him. A set down... <laughs> Time for the comeback. And uh, sure enough, Djokovic has won through rather more of a scenic route than I expected, to be quite honest, particularly when he won sets two and three pretty straightforwardly. Um, and uh, and Zverev did an excellent job to come back at him and win the fourth set, take it into a fifth, and then really Djokovic did dominate that fifth set. He won five games in a row to go five love up and nearly bageled him. Um, Zverev did get one break back, but ultimately Djokovic found a level that really only he has in the fifth set when it matters most. And uh, so it is going to be Novak Djokovic against Daniel Medvedev in the final and it means that Djokovic is now one match win away from completing the Grand Slam of all four major tournaments titles in the calendar year Um, and it would also take him to 21 Grand Slam singles titles which would be one ahead of Rafael Nadal and Roger Federer. What was your take on the match that we we witnessed Matt because um, you know it was well over three hours long. It was hard fought. Um, and ultimately Djokovic won. Yeah, I think I now view all Djokovic tennis matches through the commentary of Andy Roddick. First he takes your legs and then he takes your soul. I've really been thinking about that tweet that he put out a few nights ago because you know, it's sort of become more and more profound and accurate, I think, as as the tournament has gone on and Djokovic has won these matches in the way he has from a set down. And I think the moment he perhaps took the legs was the end of the third set, that final game where there were these successive long rallies, one of them a 53-shot rally, which Zverev actually won to save a set point. But then it, like the whole game was like a sort of microcosm of the challenge of playing Novak Djokovic. OK, you've won a 53-shot rally. And that one followed a 20-stroke rally, didn't it? Yeah, and he still wasn't out of trouble, Zverev. He was still facing a set point, an uphill task, and lo and behold, Djokovic won his third set point of that game. And it was an extraordinary level of tennis just in that game, probably the best portion of the match, really. Um, Zverev then did, a, as you said, fantastic job of recovering in the fourth set and playing really well and taking it to Djokovic. But then the way Djokovic played in the fifth set, he seemed to be striking the ball much cleaner, with much more purpose. And that was the moment he took the soul, I suppose. Um, I think the double break, which Zverev handed to him with a with a smash fail, was probably 
the sort of last moment of the match, as you said, Zverev rallied a little bit right at the end, but it, the lead was too much and, and Djokovic was too strong by then. So all in all, another strong performance from Djokovic, not his best. I think on return in particular, he was struggling. I think that says a lot about Zverev's serve, but but also not his best returning day. And yeah, pretty emphatic quotes from him in his on-court interview saying he's going to put his body his soul everything his heart into that match on Sunday against Medvedev and then saying he's going to treat it like it's the last match of his career yeah hearing that I mean first of all what a mic drop that would be (laughs) I mean that would be like completed tennis but what would happen if you got the clubhouse lead and then Nadal would have won the French <laughs> he'd have to come out of retirement to go and beat that pesky bloke again win another Australian oh. yeah look I really doubt it's going to be his last match but yes me too great quote though great great and, quote. And, it, and it does show where his mind is at he is how is Daniel Medvedev going to stop him well, that's what I ended up thinking as well. How do you stop this guy when he's putting his all into it? I don't know. Surely the only chance is if the occasion does somehow get too much for Djokovic and there's too much stress and Medvedev is keeping it tight and close. Which Jim Courier on Prime Video, and Jim Courier is such an astute observer, mm. he has been arguing all tournament long that the pressure takes the likelihood of a Djokovic title here from 70% to 30%. Yeah, it's an incredibly interesting bit of analysis. Um, I don't know whether I quite agree with that. I mean, who am I to disagree with Jim Courier when he says that? Um, but I certainly agree that the stress makes it all the more challenging there is it's such a big thing for one person to take on and to take with them onto court um and and the sort of dual stuff that he's going for you know 21 feels like a footnote considering the grand slam that he's going for which would really really separate him from Federer and Nadal um but yeah good luck Daniil Medvedev trying to stop the force that is Novak Djokovic at this tournament. Mm. Yeah. Um, just one final note on this uh, this day. Uh, this was the final match we're going to be seeing of Alexander Zverev in this particular tournament. And uh, I would say that this is the best I've seen him play over the course of this fortnight. I think it's certainly the best he's played at Grand Slams, even, even though he didn't get to the final. Um, he really pushed Djokovic today. There was one gear shift that Djokovic had that he didn't have, but he's getting closer all the time. Um, but just to say, um, uh, an important context for the match that uh, we should also bear in mind, uh, we've been obviously reporting the articles that have been written about Alexander Zverev and the allegations made against him by his uh, former girlfriend, Olya Sharipova, of domestic abuse, which he's denied and put out a statement uh, against and taken out a preliminary injunction against. Um, There's been a a piece today written in the Washington Post, an opinion piece, which uh, argues that the ATP has a duty to investigate when a player is accused of abuse, as Verov has been. And it's, it's just a piece I would recommend you read. I think it's uh, it's very important that everybody reads it. 
Um, there's also been strong comments from Milos Raonic, one of the only ATP players that has spoken out at all on this subject. And he said he is embarrassed and disappointed in the response of the ATP and other governing bodies to this very situation. He wrote, and that was in Rolling Stone. Uh, we'll put the links to those in our show notes um, so that you can have a look. So that's uh, another edition of the Tennis Podcast for today. And um, we'll, we've got two more to go. And we've got two more to come on what are both absolutely monumental days in the in the history of tennis. Uh, and that's not an exaggeration, is it? No, it really isn't. We have the world number 150 versus the world number 73 and the world number one versus the world number two. And I am equally excited about both matches and both matches have storylines to savor and i cannot wait for this weekend no so tomorrow you'll be able to follow the final between emma raducanu the world number 150 18 years old against the 19 year old leila fernandez of canada who's 73 in the world they're going to be facing each other at nine o'clock uk time which is 4 p.m local time in new york catherine was saying it'll probably be a bit after those times but that's when they're on Catherine will be presenting live coverage of the build-up for an hour on Prime Video in the UK. I'll be part of the BBC Radio 5 Live team. We'll be on from 8 o'clock tomorrow evening as well. So, <laughs> don't know who you're going to pick, eh? Catherine or me? No, <laughs> you, you, go, you go and watch Catherine is what I would say because she's going to be absolutely fantastic. And, um, yeah, maybe you'll catch up and listen to ours later. Uh, or if you happen to be in the car, you can listen to us. Uh, if you're elsewhere, if you're not in the UK, hope you enjoy tomorrow's final. I think it's going to be really something special. It's just such a, a treat to have this match to look forward to. Um, we will convene afterwards to bring you another edition of the Tennis Podcast. So, um, you know, you'll hear from us no matter what. Um, do sign up to our newsletter as well. I mentioned it earlier. We'll have our predictions in there. Go on your show notes and, uh, and sign up, and we'll send you a newsletter in, in a few hours. So it's a few hours' time. <laughs> Got to do that as well, Matt. Oh, no. Um, and, uh, yeah, and if you've enjoyed the Tennis Podcast over the course of this year and particularly over the last couple of weeks you know it's it's been a bit trying for us this uh this fortnight but we're still going we're still doing them <laughs> matt's an absolute star um and uh, it's because of the support that you all give us um or those of you that have contributed to our crowdfunding campaign at the end of last year that's that's how we were able to do this that's how we're sitting here at four thirty-two in the morning um, because <laughs> we're able to pay Matt and we're able to justify putting all this time in. Um, we do love it, but it's not always easy. Um, and, uh, well, we're just thrilled that so many of you support us and want us to continue and help us to continue as well. So, anyway, we'll be doing the same at the end of this year. Uh, if you'd like a reminder, on the December the 1st, when we go live with our 2022 crowdfunding campaign, um, again, in our show notes, there is a link uh, where you can put your email address in and we'll send you one reminder on December the 1st to let you know uh, that the campaign has gone live. And if you're able to support us and, and want to, then we very much appreciate it. So uh, our mascots for this week are Francis the Cat, 
and we have mascots for the year, um, which are Rogue for me, Scouser Mousel for Matt, Zeus for Catherine, uh, Chris Albert Lee is a top bloke and our executive producer, and my word is he pushing Catherine in the old predictions, <laughs> and she's not best pleased. Uh, although she did get a win today with straight set Smedvedev. And um, we have shout-outs, Matt. We do. For Paul Sullivan. Cheers, Paul. Paul's on uh, Twitter, I think. I think he sometimes messages us and uh, is, is, is very nice. So thanks very much, Paul. Oh, lovely. We have Cindy McMillan. All right, Cindy. Do I know any Cindys? There's a doll called Cindy. <laughs> <laughs> that my sister used to have when I was little. There we are. That's my only reference point. Cindy Lauper. Yeah, Cindy Crawford. Yeah. Cindy McMillan. Miles better. Thanks very much, Cindy. And we have Natalie Wynn. All right, Natalie. With apologies for that surname pronunciation. H-U-N-Y-H. Oh, I wonder where she's from. That's mm. fantastic. Marvellous name. Well, thank you so much, Natalie, for your support. We couldn't do all this without you. Um, and, uh, yeah, it, it bowls us over, to be quite honest. Uh, so many people, all these people who get shout-outs, all, they're all part of that crowdfunding campaign from last year when, when we did it last December. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it, it's, it's really, really something for us. So thanks so much. Uh, we'll be back again tomorrow. You ain't getting rid of us. See you then. 